Joining us today, songwriter extraordinaire, Paul Williams. Paul, you're in the Songwriters Hall of Fame, but I want to talk about this organization because there's a lot more to it than just people who write great songs. Yeah. Well, it's, you know, first of all, for for songwriters, this is this is the mountain. It's Songwriter Hall of Fame. It is one of the most amazing things that can happen to a songwriter is to be inducted into, into the Songwriter Hall of Fame, probably for more reasons than people would think. You think, okay, this is because of the attention I'm getting. Uh, but I find that most songwriters, one of the great things is we don't have to give up our fan card. So all of a sudden you go to this induction ceremony and you're looking over it and, and, and the, the, the stars, you know, the most iconic, brilliant songwriters alive in, the, in this country or, and around the world, you know, are, are, at, are present and accounted for. And it's, it's, a, it's a great honor. And the fact is they do, uh, this is the one organization that really works to promote uh, a real awareness of, of of the art and craft of songwriting. So it, it's an honor to, to be a, to be a member, uh, to, have, to be have been inducted. To to sit on the board is is just a, a, a treat. It's just a, it's a treat. It's the most grown up behavior I've managed in years. One of the events that you guys hold uh, hold every year, and this is the fifth year, is you bring all the Academy Award nominees for singer songwriters in for a giant conversation. Uh, talk about this year's conversation. Well, you know, you, you get the five nominees. And the first thing that I think it helps people to understand is that the nominations are from your, your from, you know, your, your division within the Academy. You know, if you are in the music branch, yeah, the, those five nominees are voted by, by your peers. Uh, you know, once you become a nominee, then it opens up to everybody votes and all. But the fact is that, that that first step along the line, when you get up in the morning and you turn on the TV and you go, wow, I just got nominated for an Academy Award. That's from your peers. That's from the people that do the same thing you do, who sit down and look at a film, you know, and, and do basically the opposite, I think, of what, what the composer does. What the composer does for the film is, is he, he, he augments the emotions, he helps deliver the emotions like a midwife. And if, if he's really great, it's just below your being aware of it. You are moved by it, but you don't hear it almost. You know, and and uh, what a songwriter does for, in, a, in an entitled song or a song within the film does basically the opposite. We are, we are in fact, uh, uh, we're, you know, we're kind of a, the, the cliff notes of what you felt there, you know, and, and we are perhaps midwives, you know, who can also explain what's going on to the audience. This is, this is what you experienced. This is what you felt. It's, it's an interesting challenge. And the amazing thing is your work at this point, you're working in the most wonderfully collaborative art form of them all, I think. And, and what you're doing is, is you're helping to, to, to create the director's vision. So it's 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 as great a job. It, it, it's the best employment I think in the world for a songwriter is to have somebody say these are the people, this is the story, and you know I've already got a tear going, you know, because I'm Weepy Williams. I go and then what happens, and then Fat Sam does what? Oh my God, you know. But then try to take that, you know, and and roll it into something that is palatable that'll say that'll say. Yeah, that's what I just that's what I just experienced. And maybe years later, hearing that song, if you're really lucky and it has a life outside of the film for the people that love the film and experience that it'll bring back memories of, of that time in their life. It's a it's a holy thing to do for a living, write songs and and, and it, you know, to to stand up in front of people. You know, do what you do, Doug. Doug, just you know, to 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 you know to help you know, stand between the news and what's going on or whatever, and and 
and be a midwife, you know, help people through that to, to connect to what they're seeing. That feeling you discuss about, oh my gosh, I was just nominated for an Academy Award. That's a road you've been down before. I have, yeah. First time was with John Williams. We wrote the songs for uh, a movie called Cinderella Liberty. Uh, the two things I remember most about it is having a huge crush on Marsha Mason and, uh, and being nominated, you know, writing, writing those songs with, uh, with a master like, 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 Mr. like Maestro Williams, you know. No relation, uh, except I'm just a huge fan. You know, as I say, we don't give up our fan card. And, you know, and, uh, you know, we, we went all the way with, with Evergreen, with, you know, thanks to Ms. Streisand singing it so beautifully. But uh, it's, it's a great honor. Like I say, your, your peers nominate you. Uh, and it's been, I've had six nominations and, and every one of them has been beyond meaningful. I know really it's almost like you're a silent character when you write a song inside a film. You're not actually like actually an actor, but it, you're, you're almost like a character because the, it's affecting the movie, right? Yeah, absolutely. And Ben, you, you point out something that, that once in a while I, I've shared with people about a specific project, whatever, where my approach, I became a songwriter because I failed as an actor. I was an out-of-work actor. Therefore, in my life, no is a gift. If I don't get something I think I have to have to be happy and I don't get it, at this point, I go, you know what? There's something better coming. And in my case, that actually happened because not having the, in the, the acting career, I'll, I got so bored and I couldn't afford to go to the movies. I picked up a little cheap guitar and started writing what I felt and all, you know, so, and, and I think that, 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 and now tell me, you know what, I just absolutely totally lost what you just, just what you just asked me. <laughs> reminded me of. So go ahead. Oh, I know what it is. Approaching it as an actor. Ah, you see, it still works. It probably the most, the, the most obvious moment where I, I stepped into a, a dual roles as an actor was one of the films I'm most proud of that was that was scourged by the critics. And that's Ishtar, because Chuck and Lyle, the two mismatched songwriters in, in Ishtar, if I could approach those two characters, the songs that those two characters supposedly wrote as, you know, as Chuck and as Lyle, if I could crawl into their chests and see and, see and feel what they're feeling, I, I can offer an accuracy to to uh, to Elaine May, the director at this at this point or or Warren Beatty, the, the producer and star. Uh, you're right. It's, it's, it's the, the Bible is the, is the script, you know, and, and the decision is the director's. One song that we haven't mentioned yet. And uh, I mean, the poignancy of this song in affecting generations and all ages, Rainbow Connection. <laughs> Kenny Asher and I, uh, Kenny and I had written most of the songs for, uh, for A Star Is Born. And uh, with Barbara Streisand, and and he, I just had an amazing comfort with him. And I had done a, one other project with the Muffin Muppets, uh, with the Muffins, with the Muffins, <laughs> the Muffins, and they're the all Muffins. It's the only place you'll find a talking muffin is with the Muppets. <laughs> um, I went over to England. I did the show as a as a guest on the the Muppet Show in England, and Jim asked me if I wanted to do a thing called uh, Emma Otter's Jug Band Christmas, which was a Christmas special for. Uh, 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 for Hallmark, I believe Hallmark. At, at any rate, it was a one-hour television special, and I think I was auditioning for for the Muppet movie. It was a big deal, the Muppet movie. It was the first time these guys were on the big screen, and they didn't know if, if how it was going to work. 
So uh, I knew that it was important and I wanted somebody to write. I, I would, I'm basically a lyric writer, sometimes words and music, but I, I wanted somebody really elegant, you know, to, to write the music. So I asked Kenny Asher to join me. And it's just, you know, I think that I think the essence of the kindness and the, that elegance of kindness that is Jim Henson is in that song. I think that that the, the, the character Kermit, you know, and, you know, Gonzo and, and these people who are my friends and separate from their creators, you know, uh, the, these people are, are, are as real to me as, as, as Frank Oz and Jim were. Uh, but I think that they, that they carry a message or, or just an essence of, of a sweetness and a kindness and a, and a cynical sense of humor that, that people just respond to. I think that's why the song worked. You know, I captured that. Paul, another reason why it worked, I actually just talked to Brian Henson the other day, and he was saying his father's philosophy all along was to never write anything for kids. It was always for adults, but just yeah. keep it wholesome. And I think that was your approach with the song as well. Well, you know, we, we, you know, first meeting with Jim, I said, how, what, you know, what's, what's going on the first time we see Kermit, what's going on? How does the movie open? And he showed me a script and we talked and he said, basically he's sitting in the swamp. I said, what's he doing? He said, and a banjo. I went, oh, okay. So here's Kermit. He's in the, in the swamp. He's got air. He's got light. He's got water. He's got refracted light. He's got rainbows. And all of a sudden it would just seem like an obvious spiritual connection for Kermit, you know, to, to write about his world. And when you think about it, we wrote ourselves into, into the most binding, uh, negative, frightening corner we could have possibly opened a song with. Why are there so many songs about rainbows? And what's on the other side? Rainbows are visions, only illusions. Rainbows have nothing to hide. Thank you very much, Mr. Williams. You just wrote us into a corner denying any magical aspect to a rainbow. <laughs> <laughs> Can you do that in a Kermit accent? <laughs> Why are there so many <laughs> so many songs about rainbows? I will wait for that anytime. Uh, think, think about it's a really hard song. I've tried to play it on the guitar. I mean, not just by ear, and I, I can't find the chords for. I know the words. You know, that's that's something testament to you. It's a beautiful arrangement, but I've never been able to find the right chords. I always stammer on the on the wrong chord. And usually, I can I can nail a song down just by hearing, but that's that's almost impossible. I don't know what chords that guy is actually. Um, laid down on that track, but it's it's great. He, Kermit's a much better musician than I am, so I probably couldn't tell you that. But was it done on a banjo initially, or written on a piano? Or? No, it was done done on done on on on, I, uh, on a yeah on a banjo. But here was my point. The point I'm trying trying to make about that opening is is that it was a gift. We wrote ourselves into a corner, but think about what happens next. So Kermit sings, so we've been told and some choose to believe it. I know the wrong way to see what happens is Kermit is no longer at the podium, uh, you, know, at, you know, at the lectern, informing people about what's going on in the world. He sits down next to them and becomes part of the, of the audience that is looking at, at this miracle that, heck, that, that you, you just can't explain the impact of it. So, so it was a beautiful moment that was brought to Kenny and I in writing it, said that we actually accidentally brought brought Kermit back into them to sit amongst the, his people. <laughs> his audience. Yeah. I mean, it's such a revered song, like all of the stars that do, you know, uh, shows where they pick all their favorite videos on rage and, and they, you know, they talk about them just before they play them. That, that uh, 
you know, the one with Kermit Rainbow Connection keeps coming up all the time, and and rightly so. Like it's amazingly filmed. It's a great song. It's it's as Doug said, it's an absolute classic. It's uh, you know, it's it's an honor to we might and favorites for me is of course Willie. I mean, I love Willie Nelson, and for me to hear Willie sing, uh, you know, words that I wrote and that Kermit sang, just a huge, huge gift. You know, Paul, I've I've uh, heard you say before that uh, going back in your career. When you listen to Sergeant Pepper, it changed your life. Uh, yeah. Can you expound on that? Well, in the fifties, when 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 uh, when rock and roll was born, I was listening to Sinatra. You know, I mean, I loved the Great American Songbook. I was a weird kid. I mean, I was always a weird kid. I looked ten years younger than I was most of most of my life uh, until I got into Geezerville here. But but you know, I was this little guy. I was tiny. Uh, everybody was listening to rock and roll, and I was listening to to Sinatra sing, I'm a fool to want you. I just, you know, there was some part of me that that responded to the great American songbook, you know, and which is, to, to me, it's ASCAP, and it's part of what Shaw, you know, what, what the Songwriter Hall of Fame immortalizes is these amazing songs. So I missed, you know, Chuck Berry and, and, and the, you know, this, this amazing birth of, of this remarkable new genre of music. Uh, but what's happened when listening to the Beatles, especially Sergeant Pepper, took, it took me two, two ways. It took me straight ahead and it took me back because all of a sudden I'm listening to, to the rock and roll greats and I'm, and I'm going nuts. This is fantastic. How did I miss this? But you know, it allowed me to feel like a teenager in my twenties. I get very lucky sometimes. What was it's amazing it? that the Beatles were able to sort of translate that sort of 50s rock into what they churned out with Sgt. Peppers, isn't it? Like it was like they were interpreting old rock and roll, but taking it somewhere else. And I, I can't imagine what that would have been like to listen to yeah. for the first time back in 1967 when Sgt. Peppers came out and Magical Mystery Tour. I mean, you, you mentioned Frank Sinatra. And I was watching one of your uh, renditions of Fool on the Hill in 1977, and it sounds like you're singing Frank Sinatra doing Fool on the Hill. <laughs> I don't know what I don't, I don't know which song you're talking about, but the amazing thing about the Beatles is also what they had to record it with, you know. And and yeah. just when you think about four tracks, you know, bouncing things back and forth, back and forth, trying to, you know, and what happens? You get five, you know, back and forth in, and you go, we're missing bass. We got to go back. And I can't imagine how they did it, but but the genius, and and I think for anybody who's a creator, and we talk about the the, the five songs and and the, the amazing uh, songwriters that created these songs. I think what they bring to it also is something from this from the center of their chest to their own lives. Uh, you know. Uh, I, I meet, you meet a, a young writer and almost all writers, you know, you will at a certain entry point, try to write what they're hearing other people play and, and, and create. You know, my brother w- was a songwriter. His name was Mentor Williams. And he was, he, w- he came out to LA when I was kind of at the peak of my game and he wanted to be a songwriter. We got him a, a six month deal at A&M Records. And he spent six months trying to trying to write songs. And he was they were writing good and he was writing really good songs, but they weren't getting any attention from anybody. So at the end of six months on a Saturday, he went into the studio in his office and started packing things up. And he thought, you know what? I missed it. I mean, I thought, I don't know what I'm doing wrong. I get it. I'm totally confused. And I don't. It was raining like crazy on the lot, you know. And, and he's in this office getting his stuff together to leave. And he picked up a piece of, of uh, a tablet and a pencil and he wrote, day after day, I'm more confused. 
And he looked out at the window. It was raining like crazy. And he wrote, yet I look for the light and the pouring rain. You know, that's a game that I hate to lose. Counting on you to carry me to give me the beat, boys, and free my soul. I want to get. He wrote what was in the center of his chest. He reached in here and he confessed to the world in song what he was experiencing. And that song built the house that I'm in right now. This was his place. Passed away four years ago. There's a huge lesson for anybody who's, who was creative in that moment, I think, because by being who we are, by sharing who we are and the emotions that surrounded at that moment, you have a chance to, to give us something we have not heard or felt or seen before. That's you as a writer. Wow. You know, the way you describe that, it only even further reiterates why it's so important to have something like the Songwriter Hall of Fame. Absolutely. You know, and not only not only because of of honoring the writers and all, but the fact is we have a mission to educate. You know, we reach we have outreach programs, you know, know, for students, the general public to understand the craft and the science of doing this thing, you know, and and let people have, you know, you get you get five brilliant teams of writers together. And incidentally, you get somebody like Niall Rogers, who's chairman of the Songwriter Hall of Fame. And I mean, I'm I'm just an amazing fan of the man as I am for his music as well but but he has that amazing sweet kind attitude affect whatever and is genuinely interested and thrilled this is Nile Rogers who's thrilled to meet every one of the of the the writers that are there and and it applies to me as well I sit there and you look at my god how did you create this this is wonderful uh the day that that I can hear five nominated songs as good as these songs and not just stop and go, Jesus, who are these people? How, where did you come from? Uh, then, then I just, you know, then I have quit growing. I have, I have, I have quit, quit living in, in absolute uh, amazement at the world and around me. Have you found that uh, some of these other songwriters that uh, you rub shoulders with also come up with gold when, uh, like you said, with your brother, uh, when you least expect in a moment where it's true, like, John Lennon once said about Nowhere Man uh, where he was trying to force a song out and like he was forcing it in a room and he was in the corner sitting down trying to make a song and he just gave up. He's just like, I just can't write a song. And as soon as he gave up in that exact moment where he just gave up, Nowhere Man came and it was like, it just wrote itself. Do you find that some of these other famous songs and maybe with yourself that, that it just happens sometimes when you don't force, you just let it go? Oh, for me, it's, that's become a way of life. What, what became a way of life when I quit drinking and using has become a way of, of writing for me. I mean, I get out of the way. I do, not, I do not squeeze the kitten because the kitten will jump out of your arms. I do not stand on the hose. <laughs> that's well, a good I don't try, to, try, don't try to find the words. What I generally do is I will look at what the, what the job is. This is a song for whatever like that. And then just don't think about it for a while. So when yeah. I sit down and write it, it amazes me when it comes out because my unconscious, I believe, is working when I'm not when I'm not there trying to trying to pull the words out. You know yeah. that doesn't mean that I don't sit down and, and spend the time, you know, in the chair trying to find the words and the music. But it mean what I'm saying is that I think the, that our unconscious is so powerful. I think we're more powerful than we realize. Uh, there is the, the, we've all had that experience that you're trying to, especially when you get a little older, you're trying to remember a name. One of my favorite actors he was in, he was in, uh, uh, it's a wonderful life. He lost the money. What's his name? I'm going nuts. And I go, well, screw it. I don't need to know that bad. Uh, four hours later, I'm washing my hands or something. And I go, Thomas Mitchell. 
Which was that actor? Okay, what happened? What happened between me not being able to find that and it just popping into my head? My unconscious was doing the work, looking for it. Well, you're really old, and there's a lot of there's a lot of index cards in here, but I know it's where it's somewhere. I think that that what it has done for me is is it's allowed me to to in a way let go of the songs, in a way kind of go, you know what? Uh, there's something going on here to, to, to allow these words to emerge that, uh, that may, there's a pretty good chance that, that there's other energies involved. Put your name on it for sure if you write it, but appreciate whatever that magical place is that, that words and ideas come from. Wow. Um, Paul, before we let you go, we really appreciate your time today. One Google search with you, and there's plenty of pictures of you with Ringo and with Paul. Do you have any stories behind these? Indeed, I stepped on Paul McCartney's foot the first time I saw him. We were both both nominated for for uh, either Grammy or Song of the Year, either Song of the either either Grammy or, or the Oscar. But oh. the, going down the aisle to my seat and everything, I like I hear this. Oh, you know, it was for you just stepped on. Turned around, it was Paul. It sounded nothing like what I just did. But. <laughs> what about Harry Nielsen and uh, John Lennon's lost lost weekend in uh, California? Any any? Say that again. Uh, Harry Nielsen and John Lennon uh, drinking buddies, uh, 1970, 75, I think. Uh, Lennon's Lost Weekend out in California. With Nicky Hopkins and, and Harry Nielsen and Lennon. Um, when, you know, when I was still drinking and lying, I was a big part of that weekend. The fact is, I think I saw a couple of people go by at the Playboy Mansion because at one point everybody wound up out there. But uh, Harry was a friend and, and, uh, Actually, we had the same management for a while. So I, as far as that weekend, I was a little more private in, in, my, uh, in my, my, my idiotic, uh, addicted behavior at the time. Actually, in the mid-70s, I was still pretty much on track, but it's a pr- progressive disease. So, so eventually I, tr- I, tr- I came close to catching up with them, but, but uh, I was spared. I just, just before we leave, I just wanted to say, is there any one that you – that you haven't written a song for that you would love to write a song for like a voice or a personality that you haven't done yet that you'd always wanted to. Yeah. Like really badly. You know, I think <clears throat> I, I, I won't say the character, but I will, I will say the spirit of the character. I think that there was a moment in my life when I was, when I was a kid and I, and I watched Pinocchio and when Jiminy Cricket, with a voice of ukulele, I got up into the, the window and, and looked at the night sky, took off his top hat and went, when you wish upon a star, it makes no difference who you are. It's just, if your heart isn't touched by that, there's something wrong with you. So I think that if I can find that emotion, that, that sweet connectedness to whatever this is that touches us and makes us kind and all, if I can find that in, in, any, in any project or any character, I'm going to dive in. And I found it with Kermit the Frog, and I hope I get to find it other places as well. Well said. Mr. Williams, thank you so much. Don't forget, for more information on Paul Williams, you can check out Paul Williams Official. And for the Songwriter Hall of Fame, just check out songhall.org. Mr. Williams, enjoy your day. Thank you so much. Thanks, Thanks Paul. Thanks so much. My pleasure. Bye-bye.